0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Into the Word, a radio and online program committed to reading, loving, and living the whole counsel of God. I'm your host and Bible guide, Pastor Paul Carter. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. I hope you have your Bible open today to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation 4 begins a new vision, the second vision of the book. The first vision goes from one twelve through to 3.22. And now we have a a new vision, a second vision, thus John's comment, after this, or metatota in Greek, or roughly next. So this is a a transition, and it's a pastorally sensitive transition. After talking about all that's been going on with these seven churches and recounting their challenges and, in several cases, their deficiencies, it is entirely appropriate that we we have a change of perspective now. And that's what we get. The perspective for this vision is altogether heavenly. A person might despair if they look too long at the situation on the ground. And so our eyes are lifted up to the very throne room of God. Reading this chapter makes me think of Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? That's exactly what's going on here. Everything is going fine in heaven. You need to see that. That's a good thing to know. Well, let's read the text beginning at verse 1. It says this, After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet, said, Come up here, and I will show you What must take place after this? At once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven with one seated on the throne, and he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty-four elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads." From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. Those are verses uh, 1 to 6. Now, everything about that unit of text is intended to communicate transcendence and majesty. Right? It's saying... God is large and in charge. He is surrounded by people, right? In this case, the 24 elders representing uh, the the people of God, Old Testament and New. he's, He's surrounded as any important and powerful person would be. There's an electrical storm happening all around him. His throne oozes supernatural power. The Holy Spirit in all his power and fullness hovers around the throne, and before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass-like crystal. In the ancient world, nothing was scarier than the sea, right? The sea ate men for breakfast. This, This is a picture of God's power and transcendence. To borrow a phrase from Boromir, clearly, one does not simply walk into the throne room of God, right? That's what's going on. John has been brought into a place of Otherworldly power. That's the point. And yet, look at the next verses. Verse 6 it says, And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now, on the one hand, that clearly adds to the sense of majesty and dominion, right? Again, God has people, He's got minions and servants and powerful attendants. So God looks even more transcendent and inaccessible. He looks even more removed, you might even say. And yet on the other hand, you have all these eyes in front and behind. That is clearly a symbol for omniscience. So God sees and God knows everything that is happening on the earth. He's very well informed. He knows everything. Well then, if If that's true, this might actually be very good news indeed. If this powerful, majestic, sovereign God knows about all our troubles and keeps well informed as to our situation, then there is every reason to be optimistic, no matter what's going on. That's the emotional direction of this second vision. Now, verse 7 and following describes these, these creatures now in further detail. It says, the first living creature was like a lion, second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. Now, I've already mentioned that Revelation is like an art gallery filled with paintings that have been painted in colors borrowed from Old Testament canvases. So it is here. This, this picture is clearly working with colors borrowed from Ezekiel Chapter 1, verses 4 to 14. Let me read that to you. As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, and a great cloud with brightness around it, and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, as it were, gleaming metal. And from the midst of it came the likeness of four living creatures. Are you seeing the similarities here? And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness. But each had four faces. Each of them had four wings. Their legs were straight. The soles of their feet were like the sole of a calf's foot. They sparkled like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. And the four had their faces and their wings thus. Their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. As for the likeness of their faces, each had a human face. The four had the face of a lion on the right side. The four had the face of an ox on the left side. And the four had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. And their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings. Each of them touched the wing of the other while two covered their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went. Without turning as they went, as for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the living creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of a flash of lightning. So a lot of that imagery, a lot of that similarity is being gathered into this passage here. In in both passages, the symbolism intends to communicate that the throne of God is established, as it were, upon active principles. You see they're going here and there. Active principles of majesty, strength, intelligence, and providential care. That's the meaning of the four different appearances that are mentioned. The lion, of course, was a symbol of majesty. The lion is the king of the beasts. The ox was a symbol of strength, sort of like the modern-day tractor or forklift. The man is a symbol of intelligence. Human beings are capable of doing many stupid things, but there is no denying their essential intelligence compared to other created things. And the eagle is a symbol of fatherly care. There is a species of eagles. Uh, that teaches the young eaglets to fly in a most unusual way. The mother pushes the little ones out of the nest, and they flap about quite dramatically, obviously. And then after they've had a, a bit of a go, dad swoops in and bears them up for another go. Do you remember that? It's mentioned in the Bible with reference to God in a couple of different places. Exodus 19, for example, says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings. And brought you to myself. Or Deuteronomy 32.11, which says that God is like an eagle that stirs up its nest, that flutters over its young, spreading out its wings, catching them, bearing them on its pinions. Isn't that marvelous? So God's throne rests upon principles of majesty, strength, intelligence, and providential care. That's so wonderful, that's so helpful, that's so pastoral, you might even say. Without that last bit, God would be entirely fearsome, wouldn't he? but but here we see that that all of that sovereignty, all of that omniscience, all of his intellect and intelligence is targeted towards is focused on our growth, our development, our safety, and our providential care. that that changes everything and that is exactly the vision that these churches, Needed to hear now after the message of the first three chapters. So these are coming in a prophetic but also a pastoral sequence. Isn't that neat? All right, let's jump back into the text at verse 8. And the four living creatures, each of them uh, had six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is, and is to come. So the four living creatures, the most exalted creatures in the heavens who see everything and know everything that is happening on the earth, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. These creatures who are closer to God than anyone else, they say that he is holy, holy, holy. They don't say that he is wise, 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 or gentle, 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 or loving, 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 although all that's true, they say he is holy, holy, holy. In that sense, the word holy becomes almost a synonym for God. He who is and he has always been and will always be who he is. Right before this world came into being, with all of its various upheavals and troubles God was sitting on the throne. And long after this world has worn out like a garment and the world has been renewed in a baptism of fire, God will still be sitting on that throne. He is who he is, and he has it under control. Again, it's a very helpful perspective. text goes on to say, verse 9, They existed and were created. Verses 9 to 11 to end the chapter. The the first reason, the fundamental reason that God is worthy of worship is that he created all things and by his will they exist and were created. That's it. That's the fundamental issue. Either this is God's world and he makes the rules and is deserving of center place or this world is a giant accident and we are the highest and most evolved creatures in it. And we make the rules and we occupy the center place. Those are the options. And guess which option sinful people prefer to believe in? Option two, right? Paul says that in Romans, Romans chapter one. He says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Do you see that? Paul says that the reason that God's wrath is being revealed on the earth is that people have suppressed the truth they know about God in order to believe and act as though they were gods unto themselves. See, it isn't that they didn't know the truth. It is that they didn't want to deal with the truth. Seeing God on the throne has consequences. And so mankind intentionally looks away. So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. The reason things are so dark out there in the world is because people have turned away from their creator God. But that doesn't make him disappear, right? You know, humanity is like a two-year-old child. A two-year-old child thinks that by covering their own eyes, you disappear. But that doesn't make it so. And humanity's persistent attempts to make God disappear hasn't made that so. He's still on the throne. He is still large and in charge. And he reigns. He reigns. Reigns. His people need to know that his purposes will be accomplished, and they will, this vision says. Thanks be to God. And thank you for listening to Into the Word. If you're interested in additional resources or previous episodes and series, you can find those over the website at www.intotheword.ca. You can also check us out on Facebook, and I hope you do. We have a growing community of Bible readers over there, and we post Daily encouragements and conversation starters. Hope to see you there. And hope to see you again tomorrow, right here for another episode of Into the Word.